And we're back. Thank you for listening. This is John Chafee, and this is the Ambushed Podcast. This is Ambushed Radio, whatever you want to call it. I really don't care. And if you notice, I still don't know how to do good intros. So here we are. But this one is called Cynicism is a Rabid Dog. Now, how many of you clicked on this one to listen to it just because of the title? I mean, that's good, right? So before we dive into that, I want to say a quick thank you. A quick one, but a heartfelt one. Because not too long ago, I started a Patreon account for myself. Because I've hit this creative stride where I just wanted to start releasing things. And I had no other platform to do it except for that. And we have Ron, and we have Marty, and we have Beth, and we have Christina, and the other Christina. Thank you for, man, supporting me in this way. So if you don't know what Patreon is, you can search for people that are are trying to contribute something to the world. And you can, if you want, give them a buck a month to help encourage what they're trying to give to the world. And I've seen some people are putting out incredible, incredible work, artistic work, literary work, uh, musical. It's just incredible. But I do want to say a specific thank you to those people who have already started to support. So through this season of Lent, each Sunday I have been putting up on there uh, reflections for the month of Lent, for the church season of Lent. And if you give as little as a dollar, you'll get three of them already, and then you'll continue getting them as they are released throughout this season. So thank you for to uh, sorry Ron, Marty, Christina, Christina, Beth, and then any of you that choose to jump on. Thank you, and even if you don't <laughs> want to be a part of Patreon, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm going to keep doing this, but uh, it's so fun to engage with some of you outside of this podcast to see some emails, to get some texts from some of you, and I've been having some great conversations with people throughout the week. So. Cheers to all of you for even checking this out, but if you don't mind, let's jump right in. Cynicism is a rabid dog is the title for this one, and this one, I think I have to be a little raw about it. I have to tell a little bit about my own disposition, so let me kick it off with the story. When I was about good golly, maybe between 10 or 12 years old, I remember coming home from school and I got dropped off from the bus and I had maybe a half mile walk home. It wasn't that bad. It was down by the beach. And I remember my backpack was like twice as thick as I was. And I had all my books with me and it was heavy. And of course, when you're 10 or 11 years old, you're really not that large anyways, but still backpack twice as thick as you are so I remember walking home and I made the left turn at this park and I got about halfway down that strip of the road towards my house and behind me I hear a dog barking and at first I didn't think anything of it but then the bark got a little louder so I turned around and saw that there was a giant St. Bernard just like galloping just a just barking and it freaked the heck out of me 
And so, of course, what else did I do? I didn't fight. I didn't freeze. I flew. <laughs> and so I started booking it, the last leg, the last little bit. And uh, I remember my, my thick backpack, which before that felt so heavy, whoom, felt as light as a feather, and I was sprinting like on the wind. Uh, there is no Olympian that could have caught me on that day because that dog was chasing and I was freaked out. And so as I'm running along, I hear the dog barking. I look back and I see it growling as it's galloping faster and faster, closer and closer towards me. But then I jump kind of through this little bit between two trees and I get into my front yard and I turn around and I see the dog had stopped and started going back. But man, my heart was pounding. If you were to put your, was it like your fingers on, on the neck, on the artery right there, it would have been pounding because immediately my... uh pulse just jumped up obviously so that dog was certainly not a rabid it was just being territorial and I don't really know if it was angry or happy all I knew is that this dog was about as big as I was and chasing me so that goes to say let's switch to twitter <laughs> So earlier this past week, I was reading through some posts on Twitter because I follow a number of different um, figures in, in theology and politics and pastors, and I try to see what other people are up to. And I came across this one guy who's relatively well-known. He's got a good number of followers, but I couldn't help but think he came across so cynical and so despairing and yet he thought that he was being helpful to the world by sharing this and it kind of just bummed me out and, I, and so I kind of turned it off and I picked up my phone again and then instead I put out this quote which I'm going to read to you right now cynicism is indeed a rabid dog Cynicism is not interested in constructing anything worthwhile, only tearing down what, quote, isn't perfect. Cynicism is the vice of possibly every generation, but especially since the advent of the internet, rather embody hope. And that was it. But it got a number of replies, and it got a number of I had some people text me just because like, wow, that was spot on. And they thanked me for it. But really, I was just reacting out of my own need to preach to myself. Because I don't know what that guy was trying to accomplish when he shared that on Twitter. But I, I knew that doesn't really help. So in the midst of all of that, I, I quick looked up the word cynicism. And I found out it comes from cynic, which probably comes from one of two sources. One, it might mean a rabid dog, or two, it might be a reference to a specific philosopher and how he would approach doing things. Uh, I prefer to like I prefer to lean towards the rabid dog <laughs> because I think that's pretty helpful and that's a pretty good image because sometimes, let's be honest, the cynicism 
can get rabid pretty fast and it can start chasing things down and start to get pretty loud if we're being honest. So I don't know if any of you come from a religious background or maybe you, you do, but a quick question for you. Do you know the difference between a cynic and a prophet? The two of them might seem similar to you, but they actually have a very different approach to everything that they do. So do you know the difference between a cynic and a prophet? The difference is this. Hope. You and I and everyone else we know, we may very easily... um, see things that are wrong in the world or things that are wrong around us or maybe even ourselves. But the thing is, when we come up to some of these things that we think are falling short, uh, do we respond with cynicism? Or can we respond like a prophet and still maintain some amount of hope? So the rest of this episode is going to be geared towards that topic. What is the difference between cynicism and hope. And before we get to hope, we got to talk about cynicism. And then I have a quote for you at the very end. And then uh, we'll be done. So hopefully this one won't be too long at all, but I hope it will be quality. Cynicism, if you ask me, it seems to be the on uh, the easiest of all of the options of how to respond to a situation. So if you're at work or you're dealing with something with family or with friends that maybe you had a falling out, or if you're, man, in politics or somewhere else, you might stumble into something that might be deficient or not working as best as it could. But listen, I'm telling you, cynicism, just because it's the easiest of all the options does not mean it's the best. In fact, a lot of people, when they approach a situation without any amount of hope, uh, it tells you something about them as a person. Because when people dive into cynicism, when we, any of us dive into cynicism, we think or it feels like we're giving a thoughtful response, but we're really not. When you're giving into cynicism, in reality, you're, you're diving into emotional reactivity, not thoughtful response. And on some level to to vent, and especially, man, all over the internet, it feels like everyone feels as though they're contributing to the conversation by adding their emotional reactivity. But like I said, cynicism is a rabid dog, and it's the easiest of all the options. Now, have you, if you can think back to a moment when you've given into a negativity or a frustration, or if you can think of something that really caused you to, I don't know, just get sad or dejected about the, how the the state of how things are around you. And no matter what your sphere is, you might be able to say, if you examine closely the root of cynicism is probably it's a scarcity mindset um and if if you don't know what that means it's 
we we have a disposition to either lean towards a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. And the scarcity one says that there's not enough to go around. There's not enough energy. There's not enough good resources. There's not enough this, that, or the other thing. But the abundance mindset says, no, no, no. There is enough energy and resources and people that we can get this thing done. It's not quite uh, blind optimism, but I mean, the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. I think we need to stop and recognize that despair, which I think is a good word in the midst of all of this, uh, says nothing can change. And so there's, there's sometimes an element of futility that oh, we're just defeated. And so cynicism, like we said, it, it's the easiest of all the options. And so I remember reading a study back and I have some friends that have made fun of me for referencing this so much, but it is seven times easier, according to neuroscience, to dwell on the negativity, to dwell in futility or despair or the idea that there's not enough to go around. It's seven times easier, which means we've got to work seven times harder at hope in order to keep hope at the same level as the cynicism that's around us. Now, on top of that, uh, negativity loves, loves to avalanche. Negativity, in fact, kind of, it's like a snowball that keeps going and it gets larger and larger until, mm. and what does it mean to be in this world and make yourself like a trench? for that avalanche to fall into because the world does not need more negativity snowballing into an avalanche. Negativity loves to maintain its momentum. Now, I think I need to get a little personal here because the balance between uh, cynicism and, and hope or this uh, going back and forth between negativity or positivity, this is something that I deal with quite a bit. And I've been told that sometimes, <laughs> just like anyone, one day you could be like this and the other day you can be like this. Now, I try not to let other people see both of those sides, especially in my profession and in my job and when I'm out in public. But the thing is, I am an Enneagram 5, which has a natural disposition to guard time, space, and emotional energy a lot. It is just like a natural disposition, but it's at its root, it's, it's kind of a scarcity mindset that there's not enough time, energy, space, or, or resources to go around. And so this whole conversation actually resonates specifically with me and how I know I have to purposefully, seven times harder, work at keeping an abundance mindset that says there is enough time, there is enough energy, there is enough resources to go around to make the positive changes that we need to in order for things to get better. And again, that can be in your friends, 
circle, that could be in your family, that can be in your work, that can be in your overall worldview. What does it mean to look like, to, to look at world as though you say, there is enough, let's get working. So let's switch over to hope, if you don't mind. Hope to me, it's an, it is absolutely grounded in having an abundance mindset. And not only that, but hope Hope has the long view in mind. People sometimes fall into cynicism or negativity because they've, they, they've got the short view in mind. Ugh, things are frustrating now, so therefore they'll be frustrating again tomorrow. Blah, 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 blah. No. Open up the doors of possibility. I'm not saying have blind optimism, but you know what? Yeah, maybe things are hard right now, but that doesn't mean tomorrow has to be hard. Or that next month has to be just as hard. Or that next year has to be as hard as it is right now. You see, that's hope. Because hope has the abundance mindset. And hope maintains the possibility of change. Now, that also brings me to one more thing. And it, it combats that idea of futility. That ne- negativity and uh, cynicism breed Uh, futility, but hope maintains that you always have autonomy. Hope maintains that you always have the ability to influence. You always have the ability to redirect the river, to redirect your thoughts, your time, your energy in such a way that is constructive and that does work away at or, or chip towards positive change and so hope I mean let's be honest hope takes courage it takes fortitude it takes responsibility and on one level hope really does it takes faith and when I say faith I mean it means that you really really trust in the most ultimate good possible that you do think the ultimate good is achievable if only we learn to redirect some of our time, energy, resources, whatever. Now, uh, not too long ago, <laughs> I was taking an exam. It was an online exam, and it was in Hebrew. And so I was translating a passage from what might be one of the oldest books in the Old Testament. Can you guess it? It's not Genesis. It is Job. Job is potentially one of the oldest books in the Old Testament. Now, we say this because every time it references God, it uses an older word rather than the more recent name, Yahweh, which is shown in Exodus 3. So that tells us maybe Job was written before Exodus 3 and maybe even before all the other parts. That's fascinating. Anyways. That goes to say it has really old Hebrew in it. So it's Hebrew. When you translate it, it has some unique tendencies in it. Now, if you don't know the story of Job, Job was a man who was doing great. And then he had everything stripped away from him. And by all regards, he had every single reason to maintain and dwell in cynicism and negativity. Without a doubt. Lost his riches, lost 
property, he lost his family, all of that, and then he's just sitting there in the dust and the dirt trying to figure out what just happened. Now, at the very end of the book, it has this great moment, I believe it's in chapter 38, where all of a sudden God shows up and the, the divine speaks specifically to Job and, and kind of puts him in his place. Uh, but then the best part is, I was asked to translate this one passage that comes right around there that says, I repent in dust and ashes. Now, that's the beautiful thing, right? Is that when I did this exam, <laughs> they failed me, which that caused me to go into a little bit of negativity because I actually think I over-answered their question because the translation of I repent in dust and ashes, I also translated as I repent of dust and ashes. You hear what I did there? It's a different preposition and it changes everything. So Job at the end, he's get he's put in his place by God and then he says, I repent in dust and ashes. So he throws more and more dust and ashes on himself in futility and frustration. Or you could translate it as, I repent of this dust and ashes that I've been covering myself in. I repent of futility. I repent of negativity. I repent of cynicism. I repent of despair. I repent of dust and ashes. And whoever was grading the exam did not like it, but I loved that answer because it changed things for me. That you can, you can choose to dwell in the futility, the negativity, the despair, the cynicism, or you can repent of the futility, the negativity, the, gosh, what were they? Despair and the cynicism. So here's some advice, and this is a learned advice from my own life. Learn to despair of despair, to be negative towards negativity, to be a cynic of cynicism. And if you can't find hope in you, that's okay. Just start hoping for hope to show up. And, and try to courageously seek having courage to change things around you. Take autonomy and stop sitting back and assuming that things will never improve. Stop assuming that the, the powers that be will never change and instead say, no, I repent of dust and ashes. I repent of this cynicism and I choose to step into the next moment with a completely other disposition that says, I'm going to try seven times harder to be a positive influence in the world and in the people around me. Hmm. You see, there's a philosopher named Jürgen Moltmann, which is like a fantastic name, especially uh, to say just in English or to say it all, really. But he says, your understanding of hope is determined by your understanding of the last things. And when I say last things, I mean capital L, capital T. And uh, in theological lingo, that means eschatology, the last things. Depending on what you view the end of all things 
It's going to change how you view hope. Do you think the last things, the end of all things, is going to be good or bad? Because that's going to influence whether or not you give in to cynicism or hope now. So just be mindful of that. Think about that. And then I would like to just read uh, a few quotes to you. Uh, Thomas, uh, <laughs> yeah, Thomas Aquinas was an incredible philosopher, a Catholic philosopher, but he wrote probably one is what is the earliest, and some people debate still the best, systematic approaches towards talking about faith and God and ethics and virtue and all of these things. I would like to read to you what he says about hope. So buckle in. This is from question 40, article 1 in the Summa Theologiae. This is, he says, Speaking of hope, we can say four things. First, that it is something good. Since properly speaking, hope regards only the good. In this respect, hope differs from fear, which regards evil. Secondly, hope is future, for hope does not regard that which is present and already possessed or owned. In this respect, hope differs from joy, which regards a present good. Thirdly, hope must be something, you can only hope for something arduous and difficult to obtain. For we do not speak of anyone hoping for trifles, or small things, which are within one's power to have at any moment, at any time. And fourthly, that this difficult thing is something possible to obtain. For one does not hope for that which one cannot get at all. In this respect, hope differs from despair. Cynicism is a rabid dog. And I wish I had a good analogy for what hope is. And maybe you can supply one or, or email me or text me or, or say something about what you think hope is. But remember to take a moment and curb uh, the negativity, the cynicism, the despair, the futility as soon as it creeps up. And with seven times the effort, shut it down. Because it doesn't go anywhere. And the only thing it's going to do is look for more momentum to maintain its movement. And unfortunately, we have a whole tool at our disposal that has been hijacked for the purpose of uh, maintaining that negativity, cynicism, futility, despair. And it's the internet. I mean, what could be one of the best tools ever invented for the sake of communication, you're listening to this because of the internet, can very easily be hijacked. But if there really is a divine order to all things, if there really is a scope and an arc and a trajectory for all of this, it's got to bend towards hope towards an abundance mindset because there is always far more possibility 
than we are willing to admit. And maybe it's because we're afraid to, to assume the autonomy, to say that we have the ability to make changes. It's easier to sit back and say that there's no chance that we can change anything. Or we can <laughs> spark imagination and start movements and start a collection, a collection of people that enjoy and actually find purpose out of giving hope back to a world that has too much despair in it. So may you, the listener, may you come to find that you have the resources and you have the energy, the grit and the autonomy to change the world in which you find yourself. May you find that you have the <laughs> the time, the energy, the resources to influence your friends, your family, your work, and your world for the better. And may you, in the midst of all of that, defend yourself against cynicism and instead stop, stand your ground, and stare that rabid dog down and say, no, this is not how we will do things today. And in the midst of all that, may you come to find that you have maybe helped the whole world get a little bit closer to whatever it means to have the kingdom of God in our midst. That is all for today. May grace and peace be with you.